0: To the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field!
2: This is Wayback walk off Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com.
0: Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes
1: reality. Now here's Frank,
0: Scott, and Chris.
1: Corbin Carroll, Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe. Let's talk prospects. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, March 23rd. Frank sample joined by Scott White and the returning Chris V. Welsh. Today on the show, it's our Ultimate Prospect Preview Extravaganza. I don't know why that's the name I came up with, oh, but uh,
2: Yeah. Made it oh, time. you also had the voice too, Frank. You're like, oh, let's go. It's time to battle. I like it.
1: Made it sound a lot more important than it actually is. ADPs that are on the rise, prospects to stash, and everything in between. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, make sure to download, follow, and leave a five-star review. The pod actually just hit 3,000 Apple Podcast reviews, which is a huge milestone. Screenshotted it, and it's all my bosses. They're excited about it. So big thanks to each and every one of you that helped out with that. If you missed any of our recent shows, you can always go back and listen on demand. Welsh, it's been a while. How's everything going? Uh, Is there any snow in Arizona? What's going on? It's good. I know I've missed you guys. I was
2: telling Frank uh, off air like one week felt like a month. I felt like everybody forgot about me. I didn't want to be forgotten. I was like, no, no, it was an emergency thing, but uh, I'm very glad to be back. It did. Uh, you know what? It's funny you say that. No, still, but it rained again. It is the rainiest Arizona spring ever. We still are not having days that are pushing 80s. And we we're talking like hundreds we've had in the spring. So it's one of the cooler springs we've ever had. Uh, I've had a couple of days off from camps, but I will be heading back over the next couple days as we're getting ready for the season. And I'm always excited to talk about it with you guys.
0: Scott it hasn't been raining all at all here oh. in South Florida. I don't, I don't know what's going oh. on. That's little Freaky weird. Friday situation. Actually- yeah, well, everyone thinks like
2: Arizona, like because of that, we're going to have like the hottest summer ever. We're going to push like <laughs> 130 degree summers, which is going to be super awesome, guys. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been pretty lucky here in New York as well. Not much snow. The weather is actually heating up. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's probably going to be a pretty brutal summer. Anywho, Scott just released a uh, top prospects to stash article on the site. So make sure to follow along with that. Perfect timing with today's show. So let's jump right in. We're going to start all the way up at the top. We've talked about Corbin Carroll and all these guys all offseason. What I want to do with these names in particular is just talk about recent ADP trends with them and whether or not we're willing to buy at the cost. So Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson, they've been drifting apart in terms of ADP throughout spring training. Uh, Carroll, the last two weeks over at the NFBC, 53.6 uh, Gunnar Henderson at 88.6. So we're talking 35 picks oh. later. We know uh, Carroll has had a pretty strong spring. Three steals, nine walks and six strikeouts. And Gunnar Henderson, not so much. Walsh, what do you think about these two drifting apart? Are you willing to pay the price tag on Carroll? 53.6 is the ADP.
2: It's starting to get a little dicey. And I want to say that since March 1st, I want to say there might be a high of 36. It's either Ooh. 40 or 36 that, have, uh, that has jumped in on Corbin Carroll. It's getting a little dicey, but the one thing I want to like point back out has been my mantra since, I mean, what, Frank? Since I've been on with you guys I, it, about Corbin Carroll, is like, I think he was being undersold from day one on his projections. I said he's going to lead this team in stolen bases. I think he could push for the league lead in it. That contract coming in, Really help solidify a lot of those like little minor concerns of like eh, if he struggles, what would they do? He's also just tapping on a fantastic spring and almost 500 OBP, like a 361 batting average. He's just doing all the things that you want him to do. But again, like the ADP is getting a little bit eh, but it's still based around who he is, and that's about that floor with those stolen bases, and it's like. Okay, maybe a guy like Cedric Mullins, um, who you and I talked about a little bit earlier today, Frank, like he might be a little bit further behind and might have a history behind it. But we kind of have like a um, a sky's the limit situation going on with Corbin Carroll and how he's going to be able to run hitting at the top of the Diamondbacks lineup. I'm not going to lie that it does worry me a little bit, but I have always had him in those high 50s maybe like, or low fifties, I guess you would say in like high, high forties in that range. So it's pushing the limits for me, but I'm still going to take him, but you are kind of chopping a little bit of like you draft him. And then what more can you get in return? Like what, like at, at uh, 50 ADP, like, what does he have to do to return value right now? 1525, probably 1520. Is that, you think the return for a top 50 pick?
0: I think I if, think he'll easily get that. I yeah. think I I was writing about Corbin Carroll in Breakouts 2.0 up on the site right now. Uh and you, you know, I I guess I guess you could say I'm late to the party in that regard because obviously nobody's sleeping on Corbin Carroll. It is Breakouts. It's not sleepers. But I I I think the seeing him in action again this spring, the 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 thing that's most reinforced in my mind is just how good the plate discipline is, because we didn't see it so much when he got called up in September. Obviously, first time around the league, uh, getting used to that caliber of pitching, whatever. Nine walks to six strikeouts this spring. And it was great at getting on base in the minors too. And if 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 that is a skill that's going to translate against major league competition, a guy with a 100th percentile sprint speed, who's going to be leading off most of the time. But I, I guess the, the way I put it in the article is I have come to realize that Corbin Carroll's best case scenario is closer to his most likely scenario than not, and his best case scenario makes him a uh, no questions asked stud. I, I mean, very best case scenario. You're talking about another Trey Turner type, right? Yeah, I was about to say, like, I,
2: what does that look like? To is that like twenty thirty? Like it's like kind of like a Bobby Witt season with better batting average. Well, it,
0: it, yeah, with a good batting average, because I think no. that's I think that's part of his profile. I I think he's. And I, I've, I've been saying this about Carroll all along. I, I think the most questionable part is the power hitting. He had good power in the minors, but in very hitter-friendly... Environments. Affiliates, yeah. Very safe for steals, obviously. Somewhere between 30 and 50 is what I'm putting him at this year. Uh, Going to get on base a ton at the top of the lineup, so very safe for runs scored. I think he's pretty safe for batting average. So you're talking about a three-category monster without even factoring in the, the home runs... And it might be 20. It might be 25. That That's gravy if that's what Corbin Carroll gives you. Like, I don't think he has to live up to a top 50 ADP. Uh, I, I don't think he needs that many home runs to live up to that. But if he does live up to that, then you're talking about probably more like top 25 ADP is what he deserves. So I took him in our head-to-head points draft, the, the podcast listeners league draft we did last night. I took him 49th overall. Granted, part of that was intentionally fading, starting pitching early. So that allowed me to be a little more aggressive going after Carroll in our latest roto mock draft that we just completed before the start of the pod here, Corbin Carroll went 53rd overall to you, Frank,
1: (laughs) I was considering him
0: with my previous pick. Uh, So my previous pick was 41st overall. I ended up going Corey Seager, but it was between Corey Seager and Corbin Carroll for me. If if Seager had been taken, I might've taken Corbin Carroll that early in in a five outfielder, categories league um and, and I, I should stress since i mentioned points league and and rotisserie league there corbin carroll might even be more of a standout in a points league because the plate discipline is so good and because yeah. if he falls short in home runs he's going to have a ton of doubles and triples yeah with his speed and and his uh, ability to drive the ball into the gaps so like he almost feels even safer in that format but i he should be great both
1: real quick welsh the are you buying this little mini dip here on Gunnar henderson 88.6 is the adp the last two weeks
0: yeah i actually took
2: him today in a in the fantasy pros mock uh, that we were rolling and i took him about 68 i think it was because a position was just kind of like disappearing dissipating and um yeah i think this is a decent opportunity for it Yeah, he doesn't have like the contract that Corbin Carroll did, but nothing is going to change what Gunners can do. I really don't think like spring isn't something I'm going to pick on him about that. I think it's going to take away. But here's the deal. I've always been Corbin Carroll over Gunner Henderson. So like this is nothing new to me. Nothing has changed in Gunner's perspective. Corbin Carroll is actually now outperforming my high expectations. And I can promise you. If you go look at consensus ranks, I was the highest in the world. That's not going to be the case anymore because we are getting to see everything on display. But I still think a 2010 season is completely on the table for Gunnar Henderson. And that makes him a really solid value between like 70 and 85. I just happened to pick a little bit sooner just because the position was thinning out. And I've really, really grown tired of like having to piecemeal third base a whole bunch. And I just like to have my studs at some point. So I reach just a tiny bit. So I'm good. I'm good on Gunner,
1: And they are different skill sets, too. I think that's something I think people, because they see Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson and they're both the top prospects, maybe they kind of lump them in together. Very different skill sets. Corbin Carroll is going to yeah. run a lot and steal a lot of bases. Gunnar Henderson will steal some, you know, maybe 10, 15, some. something like that. But he's he's not like on the level of Corbin Carroll. It, Carroll is the fastest is player in just, baseball. Just
0: just because of the third base scarcity issue, though, that there right. has been this gap that's open. That
2: he's fallen, too. That's like the weird thing yeah. that he's like, he's come down. That's what doesn't 100% make sense. But, you know, there also might be a little bit of context that people are looking at and they're just saying Arizona is actually a better team than most people expected. You know, there's... Um, There's a Gatel Marte on a bounce back. Lourdes Gurriel now hitting three might be a real big positive. Christian Walker. And then this other little slight thing that I I say don't discount. I'm not saying it's going to happen because I really do think Corbin Carroll is the leadoff hitter for this team for the future. But I wouldn't discount the idea that Corbin Carroll could move to three. In this lineup at some point, especially if they want to mess around with righties and lefties. I don't think that's out of question, which can also completely change his perspective of having RBIs. Because right now, I think we're looking at him as more like a, like you said, like a three and a half category player, maybe a best case scenario is like a really high end four category guy. But Those RBIs might pop back up, but at the end of the day, he's probably a leadoff guy where Gunner, my whole point of that too, is like Gunner is a middle of the order guy in that Baltimore lineup. It might not be as sexy, but he's going to be in a really good prime RBI situation. So I don't know. Would you even consider taking both of them? Is that too much crazy risk? Let's say you had a lot of other balance Mm -hmm. across your roster. Could you live in a world where you had both Corbin and Gunner Henderson? Because they're filling different
0: needs.
1: Yeah, I, I could do that. I think, I, in a, I, I think in a shallower format, in a 12 or 15 team Roto where you have five outfielders, corner, I think you might be depending on them a little bit too much if they're like two of your top seven or eight picks. Let's slide over to Jordan Walker, who's been a massive riser this spring. If you listen to the Welsh and you were drafting earlier on in the offseason, uh, you probably have a lot of Jordan Walker. Over the last two weeks, the ADP is 123.9. He went at pick 95 in our head-to-head points Ooh, listener league uh, on Tuesday night. I think I took him in the away. ninth round in in our draft, uh, on our in our roto-lock yeah, draft. Him, I think you took night. him a
0: little earlier. Yeah, he took him... I think around uh, 100, I think. Oh, uh, 1-1. He took him
1: 1-1. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I needed a third baseman, and it was kind of dwindling there. Uh, so far this spring, we know everything that Jordan Walker has done. He's batting 316. He's got three home runs. I want to point out, in six games since returning from the shoulder injury, he's batting 4 for 24. That's a 167 batting average. Seven strikeouts to one walk. 28% strikeout rate. Somebody on Twitter pointed out to me that Walker still has six batted balls over 103 exit velocity during this stretch, so you know, maybe it's just some bad luck for him. But Scott, do you put anything into these recent numbers? It's a really small sample size. It's just something that stood out to me since returning from the uh, I shoulder. Mean,
0: the the only thing I put into it is is would it make Cardinal loaded outfield as it is, second guess, bringing him up, starting the clock, all of that. I, mean, I still leave no, obviously. I, I actually got a chance to see Jordan Walker in person today i was at the cardinals Ah. marlins game didn't look like he hit any balls that hard to me now granted i was watching him with a couple of kids climbing all over me wanting to look everywhere but at the field you know I, i took my i took my uh five and eight year old to the game today and uh it didn't go quite like I imagined it going. It's like going <laughs> to the playground,
2: that, to the park. It's, it's not really going to a baseball game. I'm very uh, familiar I, with that view. I, I
0: mean, it's just like the complete unwillingness to attend to the game, like to, to even turn their eyes in the proper direction was, and, and I'm not talking by like the sixth inning, I'm talking by like the second inning. It was, it was an adventure to be sure
1: (laughs) uh welsh do you think that jordan walker makes the team it felt like a foregone conclusion now he's kind of hitting a bit a bit of a speed bump here are you worried about the shoulder do you pay this you know top 130 price what are you thinking with jordan walker
2: yeah i mean obviously worried about the shoulder more worried about injuries with anything uh with him yeah i've been pretty adamant that like the minute that they made this tyler o'neill move i thought like Jordan Walker just had to position himself into this role by not struggling and he's done that and and I would point this out I think a lot of man, the their manager was asked like you know oh hey he's struggling and they're like yeah he's actually human like he is human even in those struggles he's still hitting over 300 he's got three homers he's got a couple stolen bases um he hasn't been walking which I think would be a little bit of a problem what at the end of the day, I, I still think he's going to break camp. And I would love to watch over the next couple of days is just one little extra is how he recovers. Cause I think the team is going to want to see how does he recover from adversity? And that's going to tell them a lot, but I just don't know if like six games would negate everything that's happened over the last year to completely change their minds. In my mind, this has to be already set. They've already made up their decision because at the beginning of spring, they started altering and moving around these outfielders. Anything could happen. Of course, how I would approach it, I'm very, very comfortable drafting Jordan Walker. The top 100 with the uncertainty and the shoulder and the struggles makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But if I do it, just do it like, uh, I mean, I'm a little bit more worried about Jose Otuve now, but how I would tell people to approach Jose Otuve, is if you draft him, have a good complimentary backup, like a could tell Marte with Jordan Walker. I would just try to make sure I've got somebody else that I can maybe move around. Max Muncie is- actually stands out to me. As a guy easier said than him.
0: done at third base. I mean, Max yeah, Muncy no, that's, has that's, to that's go the, around the same point as Jordan Walker. And I hate, like, I hate to keep making this a position scarcity thing, but like part of the appeal to Walker for in Walker for me is that you know you get past you get past the Alex Bregman, the Gunnar Henderson, maybe even the Max Muncy, and it's like well. I sure hope it works out because this is probably the best I can do at third base now.
2: I agree with the upside, but you could still get like a Miranda. Like that would be something that would be Man. really important to me if I were to get him is to get to, I don't want like an Alec Bohm or a Key Brian Hayes. I like At Boehm, that point, though. it's like, why didn't I? And that's why I feel like, I, on, I, but, like, I don't like him, but I want a safe guy. I don't want another Jordan Walker-like player. I want a safe player. And I think Jose Miranda, maybe I'm wrong. He's a little bit banged up too. I try to find safe. I guess I'm kind of also leaning into like, I'm not taking Jordan Walker as much as I would Corbin Carroll. I'm still very aggressive on Corbin Carroll and like a guy like Miguel Vargas. I know we're going to talk about. I'm more aggressive because of the cost. There's a little bit of wiggle room on Jordan Walker right now that has me wondering, but I still think this is a guy that can put up a 2020 season. And even if he's sent down, I would be shocked if he's not back up by May 1st. And we know Michael Harris, we've seen what guys can do in less than a full season. He could still put up NL rookie of the year type stats, except he's in the same division uh, in L-wise as uh, Corbin Carroll, which is going to make it pretty tough.
1: Scott, just give me a yes or no. Are you drafting Jordan Walker at his cost last two weeks? 123.9? Yeah, even earlier. All right, right. let's talk about a prospect who could have a Jordan Walker-esque rise if he's named to his respective team, and that is Anthony Volpe. So far this spring, he's batting three oh eight. He's 12 for 39. He's got two homers, five steals, 11 strikeouts, a little bit high, but also eight walks. So at least he is walking quite a bit. Oswald Peraza, poor guy, kind of like falling flat here in spring. He's six for 32, batting 188. Um, Plate discipline's not so bad. Six strikeouts to four walks for him. But if they're just going based on production, and that this was a spring battle going in, then it looks like it's going to be Anthony Volpe's uh, job here on opening day. The ADP the last two weeks is 265.8. That went up to 203 in 10 NFBC main event drafts, which happened uh, over the past four or five days. Scott, what do you think about the rise of Anthony Volpe now moving closer to that top 200?
0: I think it's appropriate. I think, uh, well, I can't say I've contributed to it in, in main events specifically, but I've contributed to, contributed to it in CBS Sports ADP uh, because I keep drafting Anthony Volpe To be um, one of my top bench options, usually, if, you know, if we're talking about a standard roto lineup with the middle infield spot, I might draft him for my middle infield spot. He has kind of assumed the uh, place in my queue that Oswald Peraza was occupying a few weeks ago, because now my my perceptions of that battle for the Yankees have have flipped. I I actually think Volpe probably is in the lead. I mean, the fact he's still there and continuing to produce while Peraza continues to do nothing, I mean, it shouldn't all come down to spring production. But I just think, like, Volpe's given the Yankees no reason to believe he needs more development time. Defensively, he's made a bunch of nice plays, and, and that was where Peraza presumably had the biggest advantage um, Volpe I think has like Peraza has power and speed Volpe has more of both and he's a great on bas- base threat somebody who could bat at the top of the lineup for the Yankees so I actually feel like if Volpe does make the roster the floor for him is, is like, like I'm saying for Carroll is pretty high because he contributes in so many ways like Carroll because the plate discipline's so good like Carroll if it's if it's announced tomorrow Volpes our opening day shortstop, he might be comp- his ADP might start competing with Jordan Walkers. Well, yeah I was gonna add
2: <laughs> that I might sound crazy here, but I think Anthony Volpe if he were to break camp would be more valuable than Jordan Walker uh, all things considered and I think if he is given that spot, he will be a top 100 pick. He will be right in that range. So if you're comfortable taking Jordan Walker at 123 right now without the presumed job, you really should start looking at yourself and saying, I should be comfortable at least to the 150s taking Anthony Volpe. That's that's what we're talking about here. He's not going to be there for not. He's not going to be down for long if he's sent down unless Proz's bat starts to go crazy. And it hasn't been. I think this is leading to him taking the job. And I actually, you guys know, I like to, uh, I like to do some, some betting and I placed a futures bet. I have two futures bets on AL rookie of the year. Mashitaka Yoshida is one amazing performance in the WBC. And then I put one on Anthony Volpe about a week ago and I put that in and I got some really good odds on it. That will completely dissipate once he is named the guy. And the thing, and the thing that makes him just finishing up, the last thing that makes him, I know we love Jordan Walker and we love that, but like, Volpe has the opportunity if he is hitting at the top of a Yankees lineup at the top of a Yankees lineup to put up scary runs to really, really put up some stolen base. The guy stole 50 stolen bases last year. If you could get 30 and 15 out of him with huge runs, you know, I love Jordan Walker, but is Jordan Walker going to crack the top four or five of that lineup? I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, he could hit two. They could do that. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just really like Anthony Volpe. And I agree with you, Scott. Like I think the floor is really there and it would be really hard for me to choose which one I would go with. You can also look, you know, premium position at Jordan Walker. You're going to get shortstop, maybe even second base at some point with Volpe. I think yeah. he at least competes with Jordan Walker as being as valuable. And that 280P might look silly this weekend, as soon as this weekend, if there there is yeah. an announcement.
0: I, like, I, I don't know. You're, you're saying it's gone up a lot, Frank. I'm surprised it hasn't gone up more. I'm surprised at how long I'm able to wait to get Volpe, and I think it's just because it's so close to a 50-50 proposition. Him winning that job uh, against Peraza, and people, especially in main event, especially in NFBC, because they're you know it, it, there is the necessity to get that consistent playing time. Like I was saying, uh, I, I think they really don't like uncertainty. But if you're playing like average fantasy player out there, you're playing in ten team league, twelve team league. You don't have a very deep roto lineup. Like, just go ahead and take Volpe, one hundred fiftieth overall. The replacement rate, the the replacement level off the waiver is much higher than in these main event leagues. If it doesn't work out
2: in the main event, he had a high of one sixty six. So someone took him at one sixty six. So that starts to tell you like where the path is going. And what's interesting too, the last thing on those guys is like you can't really pick one apart to be like, oh, this guy has, you know, this guy behind him. They both kind of have some question marks if they struggle, which I'm open to. Like Jordan Walker, they have Dylan Carlson. They have Alec Burleson. You know, they have Wanya Pez still. They got all these guys that could put into question if he struggles. Volpe, the same thing. They've got Peraza still there. I know yeah. they've kind of, IKF has gone to the outfield. So both have enough sitting behind them that one doesn't get the extra advantage that they've got this locked up. It really starts uh-huh. to become about like, do you, it's hard to chase last year's Julio and everyone's trying to do that. And it's costing a lot more, but when you can get these guys in the one fifties, Scott said it, the replacement value, even if like, I think once you get outside the top 100, like it all starts becoming fair game. Like, obviously you want your roster construction out there, but if you want to take a shot and you've built a lot of safety, you got a couple SPS, maybe you got a closer, you've got some really good balance between homers and stolen bases on floor guys. And you're in the 11th round or something why not look at a guy like Volpe because you might hit an absolute home run with him. And if you don't, what did you lose? You probably can have some, I don't want to say easy replacement. I'm trying to make it like it's super easy. But the, the, the ceiling on Jordan Walker and Anthony Volpe has to be to your taste. I'm saying I think both are worth it at the same I, level.
0: I have wondered, and I floated this by you guys before the pod, if on opening day Eve, we might get a little trade. Ryan Reynolds Mm. to the Yankees with Oswald Peraza as the centerpiece. Now that they've had a chance to evaluate Volpe, more confident he's ready. I love that one
2: too. What if two, and I can't imagine they do it uh, because he's such a big, but what if it was like Clark Schmidt and Oswald Peraza? You know, I mean, Clark Schmidt looks like just an absolute stud set up in the lineup, but the Pirates want the world for him. Yeah. I think Clark Schmidt and Peraza could get it done. I just don't know if Yankees uh, fans would do it or Yankees uh, ownership would do it, especially with the changes that Schmidt has done. But it's not an unrealistic thing to say that the Yankees couldn't make that happen.
1: Very interesting. let will see what happens yeah. uh, with the Yankees. But uh, Volpe is flying up draft boards and rightfully so. Let's take our first break here. And when we get back, we'll talk about more prospects on fantasy baseball today The NWSL is back and Paramount Plus is your home for another thrilling season of elite women's soccer. This league is packed with world-class talent, featuring the biggest stars from around the globe, including the U.S. Women's National Team, as they compete for the glory of an NWSL club title. Iconic legends Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino are still on top of their game, while show stopping breakouts Mallory Swanson, Rose Lavelle, and defending MVP Sophia Smith usher in the next great generation. Catch them all in action as the NWSL season kicks off March 25th, streaming live on Paramount Plus. Sign up at paramountplus.com/live sports and use promo code NWSL2023 for a free one-month trial today. Let's get into Miguel Vargas, who spent the first half of camp not swinging the bat. The bat due to a finger injury he still managed to draw some walks so I think it just speaks more about the competition of pitcher that he was facing they they couldn't even throw this guy strikes so it's just very interesting early on in camp Uh, Vargas's ADP the last two weeks 189.5 he went at 133 in that head-to-head points draft on Tuesday night people say that spring training doesn't matter but because we haven't seen many crazy highlights from Miguel Vargas His ADP is just kind of stagnant. It's not moving. He's going to have a job with the Dodgers. And frankly, I'm pretty surprised. What do you guys think about the price? Welsh, we'll we'll start with you. Vargas, 189.5.
2: Yeah, one of my main targets. Uh, These guys are all getting a lot more expensive. We can say, I can be like, hey, take Volpe, take Walker. You can't take all of them. You know, you got to pick and choose your spots on who the guys you want are. If I make a high investment on Corbin Carroll, I'm probably not looking to take multiple of these guys. Miguel Vargas is always on my radar. Even though the batting average hasn't been crazy high dealing with that injury, he's got over 400 OBP still. He can run. He's got... Great plate presence. I think he's going to put the bat on the ball to a surprising level. I don't think him being like a 2010 guy is out of the realm of possibility and he will get second base qualifications. There is big upside in a Dodgers lineup that is lacking some star. I mean, they have the star stars, but they're lacking some of those other complementary pieces that end up popping up. Miguel Vargas can be that guy. They believe in him. I love the extra qualifications. I love the plate discipline that is going to be like a really good floor for him. And I think he has the skill set to put up some big stats if it all does click. So, yes, I am buying on Miguel Vargas still.
1: Scott, do I even have to ask if you're buying at the, the cost $189.5? You remember,
0: you remember the Valentine's Day show? Miguel Vargas, the player I love this year. <laughs> and it, it didn't diminish even when he fractured his pinky. I, I loved the drafts that I did during that time because I was able to get him. Uh, so late I I mean I still think it like if whenever I draft with people who listen to this podcast I can't get Miguel Vargas because he goes like 130 like you're saying (laughs) Frank but whenever I I'm drafting with people who don't regularly listen to this podcast I can get him in that 175 to 200 range and I love doing that even like even if I've already filled first base it's the only place he's eligible now um, and I just slot him on the bench to begin the year with the multi-eligibility with the uh, high floor for batting average with the great plate discipline. So even talking points leagues, Vargas should be a standout there. Yeah, I'd love it.
1: What about on the pitching side? Grayson Rodriguez and Hunter Brown are two names expected to hopefully be in their opening day rotation. Grayson Rodriguez, the ADP last two weeks, 184.3. Frankly, not having a very good spring at all. Getting a lot of strikeouts, which is good to see 14 strikeouts, uh, over 11 and a third for Grayson Rodriguez, but an ERA over five, a whip pushing two, and Hunter Brown over the past two weeks, 203.9 is the ADP. Scratched from his start on Wednesday due to lower back tightness. The team called it a precaution, but we're just about a week away, so I, I don't know how much time we have to get Hunter Brown right before the season starts. Well, it's both of these guys, Grayson Rodriguez, Hunter Brown, going between 180 and 200 I typically haven't wound up with them because there's a lot of really interesting names in that range. Reed Detmers, Kodai Senga, Patrick Sandoval's been on the rise, John Gray. So I like the talent, but maybe more of a long-term thing for me. I, I haven't been drafting much of them for redraft. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, even uh, positionally, like Lars Nupar still has like a 180 ADP if you look at like the lead, all the different formats and stuff. There's a lot never of Never in 80s. my drafts. No, never in mine. I've got them like the <laughs> 120. So like I'm insane yeah. about Lars Nupar, but I'm just saying like there are... Uh, Miguel Vargas. Miguel Vargas is another one of those examples. Yeah. I typically don't invest in rookie pitching. If I did, it would be Grayson Rodriguez. I don't think the struggles would be something where they would send him off, but I do think if it continues in season, they would... I don't like Hunter Brown having back tightness. I don't like that going into the start of the season. That's not something I want to invest in. And we're going to scream Homer, and that's okay. But guys, I still think the most valuable prospect pitcher is not going to start the season, and it's Brandon Fott. I think he's up by May 1st. I think he's in the rotation. And I think he will, at the end of this... We got to not count Kodai Senga. I mean, technically we do because he's like a prospect, but he's not. (laughs) Of the guys that haven't played in Japan and stuff like that, I think he could be and will be the most valuable of all of them. And I'd rather get him completely free at the end of my draft. Swoop him up. Hold on a little bit. If I got to dump off, I will. than I would investing in on like uh, Grayson at a higher cost,
0: or just the, the injury stuff with Hunter Brown just doesn't do it for me. To, to echo your point on thought, I just released earlier this week my top twelve prospects to stash going into the year, and, and I left uh, I, I left um, uh, Jordan Walker, Anthony Volpe, Oscar Colas out of it because I think they're basically. You know the chances of Locks, being on the yeah. opening day roster are too good. Fott was number two on that list, so yeah, um, very high on the idea of stashing him. But I also agree with you on Hunter Brown of of the prospects we've talked about here. This is the first one who I'm out on at his price. I think the most interesting thing about Brown is that he's RP eligible, which is only important to certain formats. And even in those formats, I find I'm not really drafting Hunter Brown. And and part of the reason is like Lance McCullers isn't in that bad of shape. He's behind because of a slight forearm issue, but he said they were hesitant to even call it a strain. Like it didn't quite meet the criteria for a grade one forearm strain. He's, he's going to be back maybe before the end of April. And then what happens to Hunter Brown? I, someone else yeah. could get hurt in the Astros rotation, but it, it's not like it's not like you're necessarily getting a guy for the long haul.
1: I don't know that I share the optimism you have, Scott, on Lance McCullers. I feel like they took the the bottom half of yeah. his arm and they just kind of duct taped it to the top half of his arm, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, he's gonna be all right. Don't worry, he'll be you, back soon." You, so,
0: like, why? Well, every time I talk about an oft injured guy who's essentially free, you you give me grief for it.
2: But Lance off- is specific. Lance is like <laughs> me
0: telling my wife I'm 15 minutes away.
2: Like that's about yeah. what that is. Like it, she we knows- saw him
0: pitch <laughs> at the end of last season. He mm. looked great. I think I think he's a good investment. I think it's much much better than Hunter Brown.
2: We all know it's not true. And they're like, hey, he's going to be okay." And, you know, I'm like, I'll be there in 15. And we're all like, "Mm, we know this isn't going to happen. But We're all just going (laughs) to deal with it. I don't trust Lance McCullers one bit. All
1: right. Well, let's take uh, let's take a little break from the prospects and we'll get into some news and notes. Apparently, Juan Soto's oblique strain did not reveal anything significant. The team is making it sound like Soto will be ready for opening day. Are you guys buying that?
2: I mean, I'm 15 minutes away. I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's an oblique strain. I'm very worried about that. This is the prelude to them being like, by the way, he's going to be on the IL to start the season. Like, this is the second yeah. injury he's had this spring. I feel like he has been babied along. I don't know if he's gotten the reps that they want out of him. That's cool that they're saying that. I just feel like a small little IL stint is going to be in the future for them. But you know what? If he does, that's great. I did bump him down a little bit off of this worry. It is good to get a little bit more confirmation, but I don't know if I'm going to put him back to his original spot. You know, like people could question him around like Tucker and, and Mookie Betts. And I, I'm, I'm comfortable with Mookie over him, but I don't know. It just seems very suspect. And just the multiple injuries so far have me a little bit worried.
0: I'm going to keep Soto sixth. Um, I, 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 I could de- I could see them putting him on the IL as like an abundance of caution at the start of the year thing. And and he'll be back soon enough that I won't mind investing the sixth pick in him because I just think he's going to have a monster year. He was talking before this oblique injury about how his mechanics were never quite right last year. Obviously, he did not have a Juan Soto-like season and he was just... He looked like a monster in the WBC in spring training before that. I, I think I think he's coming back in full force this year. And if I have to wait a backdated IL stint the first eight to 10 days of the season to get him in my lineup. I'm fine with Who's seven. Is it Mookie? Who's seven for you? Uh, I, I, I think it's currently Kyle Tucker, but I decided tonight I'm going to move Jordan Alvarez back up to seven. Okay. Okay. see, I think I think Alvarez versus like Soto
2: is like a really fascinating one right now. The idea of Soto running more is exciting, but like an oblique injury like those things can creep right back up. He could wake up tomorrow and it's kind it's, it's gotten back. I mean, we saw what happened with Suzuki. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like super jaded to these injuries right now and super jaded to just the process with him. But it just it doesn't feel like he's a lock like he usually I'm not saying it's a freak out and worry or anything like he's still like a first rounder, especially if he's not going to have the IL stent, but just, I don't know the smell test doesn't seem right. And I think he's a lot closer to Jordan Alvarez than he was uh, a month ago.
1: Kyle Tucker is dealing with a mild ankle sprain, but he's expected to be fine. I mean, Scott, it sounds like you're still taking Soto over Tucker. Uh, Welsh, what do you think Tucker or Soto?
2: Yeah, I'm going to still go with Tucker. Um, I mean, I guess it's like similar-ish news. I have Tucker ahead of him for the stolen bases. The power is there. Uh, You got to love it. I mean, uh, love Juan Soto. Like, I like. I actually like Soto more than I like Tucker. But I think I want to take Tucker's stats, and I want to kind of line on that. I don't like that he's got an injury. uh, That, but I do like the positivity that they're putting around it. But yeah, I guess I would go with Tucker.
1: All right, Astros GM Dana Brown confirmed that Jose Altuve will be out at least two months after undergoing thumb surgery. That little at least part, I don't love that. I hope it's like just two months, but uh, if we get any updates on Altuve, we'll let you know. Joe Musgrove threw a simulated game on Wednesday. He said, quote, workload-wise, my arm feels good, and next is either a Cactus League or Minor League game and Joe Musgrove is targeting April 6th for his return. That would mean he just misses one start at the beginning of the season. Beautiful. Eloy Jimenez was back in action as the DH on Wednesday after suffering a calf cramp earlier in the week. He was playing DH, thankfully. Evan Phillips is expected to be utilized by the Dodgers in the most important situations this season. Uh, With Daniel Hudson starting the season on the I.L., Brewstar Gratterall has gained some steam. Scott, any interest uh, in... In Gratterall now, if they're using Evan Phillips as that fireman reliever.
0: I mean, I I still think I'd rather have Phillips if I'm targeting somebody from the Dodgers bullpen because the fireman reliever often does get save chances still. And I think he's better than Gratterall. It's not a bullpen that I'm heavily invested in.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I've drafted anyone from the Dodgers this year. Could turn out to be a huge mistake, but yeah, it just hasn't worked out that way. Brendan Nimmo, who's dealing with knee and ankle sprains, hopes to return to spring training games on Saturday. Cardinals manager Ali Marmol said that Wilson Contreras is likely to bat fifth this season. And then there was another report that it sounds like Lars Newbar and Brendan Donovan are battling it out for the leadoff spot. So, come on. Just do the Come right on, thing. Come on, against guys. righties. It, it might we, be admin against lefties.
2: Yeah. We know what we need to do. We, need, yeah. we know what we need to do here. Come on. Yeah.
1: Go, don't overthink this, Ollie Marmol. Jared Kalanick is expected to return on Thursday. He was a little banged up with quad tightness. Carlos Carrasco will not make his scheduled minor league start Thursday due to, quote, elbow maintenance. I feel like this is a thing every <laughs> spring for Carlos Carrasco. So you know, normally I would freak out, like Scott alluded to earlier. But I'm going to just... Sit back. I think Carrasco will probably be fine. How often you draft in Carlos Carrasco there, Frank? Yeah, you, you big on the Carrasco in your drafts? I drafted him in our draft on Tuesday night as a reserve pitcher uh, in deeper 15-team leagues. I brought this up. I keep winding up with Musgrove just kind of buying the discount. Someone yeah, pointed too. out to me that the early season schedule for Car- Carrasco looks like the Marlins twice in the A's. So that, mm, that seems like a sweet. great combination if you draft Musgrove, just take Carrasco later on and stream him earlier in the season. So... Uh, yeah, I've actually been winding up with with quite a bit of him. I have him in my NL-only labor team as well. Ranger Suarez will not be ready for opening day after having a setback with his left forearm. Apparently, Matt Strom could open the season as their fifth starter. Tristan Casas is expected to return Thursday. He was scratched earlier in the week due to a left pinky injury. Both Jorge Polanco and Alex Kirloff will begin the season on the IL and it's a nice little opportunity to see Nick Gordon and Trevor Larnick with some extended playing time there. Maybe Carlos Correa's counting stats will uh, suck again this year after all. <laughs> Everyone's already hurt for the Minnesota Twins. Drew Rusinski is uncertain for opening day due to left hamstring tightness. Uh, if you don't know who that is, I, I don't blame you. He's <laughs> projected to be in the Oakland A's rotation with Paul Blackburn also out. It looks like the A's might have to rely on both of their youngsters, Ken Waldachuk and Kyle Muller, in the rotation. A few spring performances worth mentioning from Wednesday. Michael Soroka made his spring debut, recorded four outs. Maybe he was just pumped up. It's his first start in a long time, but his sinker velocity was up two miles per hour and his slider up three miles per hour from the last time we saw him back in 2020. Kind of Interesting. Let's see what happens. Jose Barrios, five innings of one run ball with five strikeouts, but nine hard hits allowed his average EV against 97 miles per hour. Ooh, I don't Jose. I don't know what to do with Jose Barrios. It's I know what to do. Not draft him. Move along. Alrighty. Yep. Move along. Oh,
0: really? Like, I just don't see what the downside is at the price. That's why, like, I, I don't even uh, really care. To, yeah, but whatever you like it you'll move on it's it's if, if he looks bad you'll just move on at that price like you would it when you draft anyone else at that price out like where's he going like 220 um, um yeah i was about
2: to say that actually might warrant like who are they he's two two 233 i have uh the main event still up which might be a little bit wonky to be looking at comparatively but yeah i guess man he's going I, behind miles michaelis in the main event and he's going right around uh hayden Wisniewski.
0: That's, that's an interesting crew. Yeah, I didn't realize that like there's no downside really. Cause you know, the guys you're drafting, there are mostly downside, uh, comparatively speaking. So I, I, I don't even think I need to bother with analyzing Barrios beyond just, well, look at the track record for that price, you know, as we've talked about before with him, velocity looked fine last year, uh, like most of the metrics we care about for individual pitches looked fine. Uh, Pete Walker, the Blue Jays pitching coach thinks it was mostly a location issue and he's focused on um, uh, locating his fastball glove side. That's apparently a big key for him and he wasn't doing it very well last year. So I understand, you know, this start was misleadingly good, but it's still just a spring start and there aren't the usual red flags we see when we're talking about a pitcher on the decline.
1: I'm doing a draft and hold at, the NFBC right now and I got Jose Brios outside of the top 300 in this draft that I'm doing so <laughs> really? I mean, Look at that point. It's <laughs> why not man? I mean that uh, exactly. Yeah, I'll do that with Jose Brios uh, Jeffrey Springs amazing duh four and a third shutout with eight strikeouts 17 swinging strikes on 60 pitches He's looked fantastic this spring. Uh, no pun intended Estery Estery Ruiz can't try to say that name too fast. That That's a tricky one He went two for two with his sixth steal. He is now batting 325 with more walks than strikeouts this spring. I th- that's th- huge. I think that's really good compared to like heading into spring. We didn't know if this guy could hit at all. Maybe he still can't, but in a small yeah. sample in spring, he's running, he's hitting, and he's drawing walks. I, I
0: still prefer Garrett Mitchell to Estevan Ruiz if I'm looking for late speed. Yeah, from like the fifth, fourth, fifth outfield outfield spot. But I'm a little more open to taking Ruiz. I find he tends to go before Mitchell. Like there are others who are higher on Ruiz than I am. But I'm a little more open to the idea of taking him than I was prior to spring training.
1: Reed Detmers allowed three runs over four and a third, but we finally got to see his velocity in a ballpark with Statcast data. Fastball was up 0.8 miles per hour. Slider up 2.8 miles per hour compared to last year. So that that slider is. Looking like a thing of beauty here for Reed Detmers. Let's take our second break, and when we get back, more prospects on fantasy baseball today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes... You can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
0: The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus.
1: What brings you to the shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side.
0: A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit paramountplus.com/the-shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan.
1: Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Make sure to download and follow our five-minute podcast, Fantasy Baseball, Today in 5, wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get back into prospects. I've got about, I don't know, 30 names left and like 20 minutes to talk about them, so this is just (laughs) going to be fantastic. A trio that are making their uh, respective teams on Open Day. We know that already. Ezekiel Tovar, Tristan Casas, and Josh Young, all going between picks 215 and 224. Welsh, how would you uh, rank those three in terms of your interest level? Casas, Tovar, Josh Young. Uh,
2: This might surprise some people, but Ezekiel Tovar is number one on this list, and he's actually become kind of a de facto defunct shortstop if I miss on a whole lot. And this is like in a deeper league. I don't particularly want to be like reaching for Correa or Jeremy Pena because I'm freaking out or anything like that. I really want to try to go at Ezekiel Tovar or... Let's say I did. Let's say, you know, I've seen Correa really drop a whole bunch and I got one of them. I like the idea of getting Tovar on the middle infield. Colorado does so much. The stolen bases coming up. It's not out of the question that he's like a 2020 guy this year. I just really like the prospects of Tovar. He would be number one. And then I think the other two are kind of clumped together. I'm, I'm a little torn on it, but I'm leaning Tristan Casas because of this idea of him leading off. The runs could be absurd, absolutely absurd if they do that. Josh Young, probably not going to crack the top end of the lineup, though I feel like he's a little bit safer in that there's just such a great roster construction around him. But um, I would go Tovar in his own tier. Actually, I think that would tier them all separately. I think they're in their own tiers. I think it's Tovar, Casas, and then Young.
1: Josh Young, what I do like so far this spring just a 13.6% strikeout rate. Uh, that's over 44 plate appearances. So really small sample, but given what we saw last year, wanted to see some early season improvement on the strikeouts. And, and so far, Josh Young has done that. Well, one thing I would add,
2: and get your uh, CBS Fantasy Baseball Today bingo cards out, because I'm going to say one of the words that's going to get you a <laughs> marker uh, on the backfields. On the backfields, I watched a, I've never seen anything like it, a 30-minute session, at least 30 minutes, where Josh Young Just just took BP hacks. He never stopped. I'm telling you, it was a home run derby. He probably hit 30 homers. He was crushing, and he had a a moment where he hit about eight straight on eight straight pitches and just crushing them. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, and he was just working on big home run hacks, and he kind of really liked to see it. And I've always believed that the strikeout numbers were really not relative to who he is long term. So mark your bingo card, backfields check on Josh Young, checks out.
0: I, I wanted to say i agree with everything you say on tovar and i've been calling him the most underdrafted player for a while now I so the point where i kind of try to keep my middle infield spot open for him so in in, in roto leagues i go Tovar, casas young in points leagues for my points leaguers out there casas would be number one over tovar because the plate discipline so good
1: Let's get into the catchers here, starting with Gabriel Moreno. Welsh, obviously some big news this week. Carson Kelly likely to miss a few months with a fractured forearm. Moreno, a really small sample, only 20 at bats, but he's eight for 20, batting 400, two home runs, so flashing a little bit of that launch angle this spring. The last two weeks, the ADP is 210. That is going up. I mean, I think we're talking at least like 50 spots in terms of ADP. Yesterday, Chris Towers said he's moving Moreno into his top 12 catchers. I move Moreno yep. up to 13, just behind Cal Raleigh. What are you thinking about the ranking for Moreno and how far he's going to move up now?
2: Yeah, he's going above Cal Raleigh for me. So he's going to be inside my top 12. I believed, I mean, this guy hits the ball hard, but he had that old school, a couple of years ago, Vlad thing where it's like, you know, a three degree launch angle. And it was just, he's smacking balls against the wall. And he's really worked on that. And you've started to see that come into play. This guy can hit and he showed it off in spring. And all of a sudden the Diamondbacks, can't even get away from it like they'd love to do because they love to carry all these catchers and they'd love to screw themselves up by getting Carson Kelly who knows the pitchers and all this stupid nonsense. They can't even do that now. Gabriel Moreno's the guy and they don't have another catcher with the experience, more experience than Moreno. Ali Sanchez, Jose Herrera is probably the most. There's no way they're going to keep Gabriel Moreno out of the lineup and this is a huge opportunity for him especially if he starts getting this all back into play he can also run a little bit I've seen him a bunch on the backfields and I'm a big buyer on Gabriel Moreno obviously not even out of the homeristic side of my Diamondback love but him getting this full on opportunity is huge he also could hit a bit higher in the lineup there's not there's no reason that that's not a possibility that he could end up hitting five or six at some point. So I love it. I think he's a starting catcher and at PC leagues is a whole nother ball game in two catcher leagues and stuff like that. But I think he is a top 12 catcher uh, going into your draft weekends.
1: I think we can get a Alejandro Kirk light type season from Moreno this year. Probably not oh. the 15 home runs, but can we get uh, 10, 10 home runs with like a 270 to 80 batting average? I think that's doable for Gabriel Moreno this season. The other two catcher prospects who will probably not make their respective teams. I mean, we know for sure one of them, Francisco Alvarez, already sent down to AAA by the Mets. It yeah. sounds like the Angels are going to roll with Max Stassi and Matt Tice at catcher. I mean, what are we doing?
2: Oh, what are we doing? I didn't even hear this news. This yeah. is awful.
1: Tice is out of options. Uh, Ohapi has mm. been okay this spring. 13 strikeouts, a 39% strikeout rate. So that probably hasn't helped his cause. Scott, let's say some of those two catcher—I don't know, maybe even one catcher leagues. Are you looking to stash either of these guys, Alvarez or Logan Ohapi? So they are both
0: on those twelve prospects to stash
1: to begin the year, Um, but I
0: don't know that in the average two catcher league I'm going to do that. Maybe in a deeper two catcher league, Uh, somebody I'd look to instead is Blake Sable. I mean, obviously you have to have a if it's a two catcher league, you have to have somebody getting at bats there at the start of the year. Uh, but it's just it's just hard to justify a, in using a bench spot on a catcher who you know with an uncertain timetable. So in theory, it's not a bad idea to stash them. In practice, it's probably not going to be something I'm going to do.
1: Two names that are having strong spring trainings: Oscar Colos with the White Sox, Brett Beatty with the New York Mets. Welsh past two weeks, the ADP for Colos is two fifty three. So if you play in a five outfielder league. You could wind up with him as either your fifth outfielder or maybe a bench bat. Brett Beatty's going much later. Still, you know, well outside the top 300. We're talking beforehand. I think he's going to make the team. I think the Mets can kind of move things around, throw Escobar at DH. Uh, Are you looking to buy on either Oscar Colas or Brett Beatty late in drafts?
2: Uh, And I hate to do this because, like, again, I know I'm the prospect guy, and I don't want to be like, just have all these rookies and have them all. You really (laughs) shouldn't. You should pair yourself up. But, like, Oscar Colas... I just don't know why he's so low. It doesn't make sense to me on how good he's been this spring. And uh, I mean, obviously there's no certainties, but yeah, like he's a total buy in my mind, pending what you have done with your roster construction and stuff like that. Beatty's really interesting because I feel like, and I completely agree with you. I think he's gonna make this roster. And I felt like today, if you're going to send Alvarez down, why would you have not, also sent Beatty down. Why would you not do that? I think they're lining him up. I also think he can get some versatility for them. He could play first. He could play third. He could go over and DH. Maybe they've kind of see in line that they're not going to have him on the bench every single day, and they can get three or four starts out of him moving him around in some capacity. So, yeah, and I don't think Edward, uh, Eduardo Escobar is going to keep him off of that position for too long. So I think Beatty could be a deeper league buy. But Oscar Alver, uh, uh Oscar Colas, Oscar Alvarez, Oscar Colas is like a 12-15 team buy, I think, right in the end of your draft for sure.
0: Uh, I'm not going to say Beatty for sure won't make the roster. I did include him in the 12-to-stash from the start of the year, which means I don't think he's going to. It would require the Mets to leave one of Darren Ruff, Luis Guillorme, or um, Daniel Vogelbach, I guess, off the roster To get Beatty on it. And I I think Ruff is banged up. Like, they could put him on the
1: IL. Yeah, get that guy out of here, dude. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if Darren Ruff, if you're listening or your family's listening, like, I'm truly sorry, but we want Brett Beatty for (laughs) fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I I think that's a real possibility. So, uh, yeah, I I think that makes sense for the New York Mets. I think Beatty's going to make the team. Let's wrap up with some rapid-fire prospects here. When can we expect to see these names? We mentioned Brandon Fott earlier, and if you're trying to figure out how to spell that, that's P-F-A-A-D-T, pitcher with the Diamondbacks. Welsh says we think we see him on May 1st. Scott, that means I'm throwing Gavin Stone your way from the Dodgers. This spring, six and two-thirds shutout, 14 strikeouts to two walks. That's coming off one of the biggest breakout seasons in the minors last year. When do you think we see Gavin Stone with the Dodgers?
0: Well, I I mean, consider who they have in their starting rotation. They have Dustin May. They have Clayton Kershaw. They have Noah Sindergaard, who's (laughs) no sure thing either. I really like Gavin Stone. I I put him in the 12 to stash as well. He's more toward the bottom because the timetable's uncertain. But if he does make it up early enough, I think he has a case to be this year's Spencer Strider which of Ooh. course I don't mean literally but just in terms of cost benefit um, his ERA last year was absurd his changeup is absurd and I, and I think the number that gets overlooked in in you, you know some of the, the the baseline stats the strikeout rate in the ERA he allowed just three homers all year so when he does allow contact it is weak contact and uh of course, he pitches for the Dodgers, who certainly know what they're doing in terms of player development. I think, I think Gavin Stone is. It's going to be difficult to stash him at the start of the year, but definitely a name to file away for later.
1: Just give me a name here, Scott. Who do you think wins the fifth starter job for the Dodgers with Tony Gonsolin out? Is it Ryan Pepio or Michael Grove? Well, I think I, I, I think
0: the B writers are all leaning Pepio. Okay, and Pepio has more upside, so I'd rather be Pepio.
1: Pepeo made a start here on Wednesday night, four and two thirds, five hits, three runs, six strikeouts. So you like the whiffs there. Everything else, eh, not so great. Well, uh, just
0: to put an exact number on it, that ERA for Stone in the Miners last year, 148. Oof,
1: it was just absolutely insane. Welsh, a name that you and I were texting about uh, a couple of times this spring, Heston Kierstead with the Baltimore Orioles' former first-round pick. For, was it first overall? was first overall? Uh right? yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, he was uh, yeah, he was one of those deal guys, so.
1: He had a monster spring coming off a huge Arizona Fall League. He went 16 for 42 with four home runs, a 1200 OPS. When do you think we see Kierstad, if at all this season?
2: Well, I think he's still with the team, isn't he? He's still I, been playing. I don't know if he th- got an th- official I th- option. I think he did. Let me let me confirm that. Okay. Well, either way, I think this move is around July. One interesting addition to this is they're having him work at first base in spring. Um, and that's a big deal. He got up to double A or maybe it had been high A uh, or double A. And then he played in the AFL. I think he goes to AAA this year. He gets a handful of games moving positionally, getting a few of the things. they. I think they wanted to get some of the big loopy swing he can kind of get worked out and defensively try to find him a home. And then it's just going to be about where can we place him on this team? Maybe they make some trades. Maybe they're just going to get the bat in the lineup. But if I'm going to give you a date, I'm going to go July 1st.
1: All right, let's move over to Christian Encarnacion Strand, our heart's. Broke when he was sent down to the minors a couple of weeks ago. Monster spring, fifteen for twenty-six, Ugh. four home runs, thirteen RBI, a seventeen forty-eight OPS. Scott, when do you think we see CES
0: sooner than later? He's on that list of twelve as well. Um, I think the most impressive—well, I mean the most impressive thing he showed in spring was the power, but the fact he struck out just twice in twenty-seven plate appearances uh, definitely opened a few eyes. If you do get a chance to check out that article, I I have a a tweet in there of a video clip of one of the home runs. And it is just like, um, it is just one of the most pleasing video clips you'll ever hear because of the way the announcers react to the home run, the sound it makes off the bat. It It is a feast for the eyes and ears and you should check it out. The article out for that reason alone.
1: Mason Wynn with the St. Louis Cardinals more so regarded as like a defensive prospect, but man, he looked really good this spring. 14 for 45, 311 batting average, two homers, three steals. Well, so I, I don't know where the Cardinals are going to play all these guys, right? Like they have so many mm-hmm. names already and they've got a really good defensive shortstop coming as well. What do you think about Mason Wynn?
2: I think this is a later year thing. Uh, okay. I I wouldn't. Discount anything, of course. Uh, this team has the bullets to make a big trade if they wanted to do that. And we're talking mean, not that they would go Brian Reynolds, but like that type of thing, they could do that easily. I think Mason Win is. Of involved around some type of a trade. So I'm going to say August 1st because okay. it's whether he's traded or they move some other pieces. Because you also got to remember, not only do they have Edmund, Brandon Donovan just won a gold glove, but they still have Nolan Gorman who's made a yep. lot of changes. I just don't think there's anything certainty of, of certainty that they'd want to push him. Though I would say that Mason Went and Jordan Walker were like hand in hand, like best buds. Those guys were at every level working together. So I think it's going to be hard to keep him off because his defense is ready now. But I'm going to just say August 1st.
1: These next two are much further away. I don't even know if they debut this year, but Jason Dominguez had a monster spring. He hit four home runs. Zach Veen with the Rockies had eight stolen bases. Scott, any chance we see either one this season?
0: They made such a strong impression this spring that if they go to the minors and just kind of pick up where they left off, they could leapfrog some of these other guys who appear to be closer. It's um, You can't rule it out. I mean, A lot of things are going to happen over the course of six months that we don't see coming. That being said, they were both left out of the 12 to stash just because I do yeah. have a feeling, them being younger, that uh, you know, there, there's no reason to stash them away right now.
1: All right, other big names we haven't mentioned yet. Let's just do an ETA on each of these rapid-fire style. Welsh, Ellie De La Cruz with the Reds.
2: Uh, mid-year, I think right around the trade deadline.
1: Okay. Uh, Scott, Yuri Perez with the Miami Marlins.
0: End of year, if at all, they're not going to have any reason to rush them.
1: Well, Jordan Lawler with your Diamondbacks, I
2: think it could be as soon as June first, especially with the injuries. Nick Ahmed consistently, and Jordan and Jordan Lawler is playing with the AAA team over on the backfields, so he should be uh, going over to AAA, which I think is uh, you know just a call away.
1: Scott Matt Mervis with the Cubs, May,
0: the month of May, all right, very soon.
1: Edward Julian with the twins had a big world baseball classic with team Canada. Welsh. What do you think with him?
2: Could he break camp with the injury with Polanco go on the IL? Th- Isn't that a possibility? I think he was already sent down. Was he already sent down? Okay. I just, they, but they haven't also officially put Polanco on the IL. I would just point out as well. So I, you know, I think Donovan Solano
0: is going to keep that from happening. They, okay. Yeah. yeah they, so, kinda, let, they, 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 they dug into the scrap heap for some middle infield help. I hate that. It, yeah.
2: Yeah, I would say mid-year, mid-year for Julian.
1: So, yeah, Julian sent down to AAA on March 14th, and I checked on Kierstad, He was actually just sent down here on Wednesday afternoon. Oh, okay, today. South Freelich with the Brewers. Sure. Scott, I know he was uh, number one in your prospects to stash.
0: Yeah, so I better say May, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, like, it's
0: because Tyrone Taylor is going to be out for the start of the year, and because Tyrone Taylor is pro- was projected to start for them in right field in the first place, I, I feel like they could use Sal Frelick now. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't more of a possibility in spring training, but it it, it won't be long.
1: Welsh, Curtis Mead with the Rays. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, 2025, tomorrow, like it could be either one with the Rays. Let's go. I guess I'm kind of copping out. Like, I, I kind of feel like this is a later year thing. I think they're going to
1: really exhaust Aranda and stuff. I'm going to say um, August 1st. I know that there was that Jeff Passen tweet about, they were talking about an extension with Curtis Mead. So... If something like that happened, I think the Rays would probably just call him up because whatever, they're paying him. But uh, that hasn't happened yet, so we'll see. Let's move over to... Oh, I actually meant to uh, ask you about Ricky Tiedemann. Scott will ask you about Ricky Tiedemann with the Blue Jays. He's very young. I think he's 19 or 20. Do we see him this season? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's hard to project timelines for pitchers that young um, and the fact that the Phillies were considering... And by the way, are still talking about having... Uh, Andrew Painter up in a couple months once the elbow injury is, hopefully he recovers from that. <sighs> you know, it, it depends on how things go with the Blue Jays rotation, how clearly they're in contention. But I, I think midseason is a possibility, a possibility for T.
2: I'm going to break, I say May 15th.
0: Yeah,
1: I okay. think he comes up early. It would like if the Blue Jays are off to a hot start, and you say Kikuchi or someone is just absolutely awful, and they just need that fifth starter, and he looks amazing in the minors. I think we could see Tiedemann pretty soon as well. But yeah. you know, obviously that takes a lot of different things for that to actually happen. Kyle Manzardo, well, I know someone that you are very familiar with with the Tampa Bay Rays. When do we see him?
2: I think this is late year. I think they're going to work out a lot of different stuff. He had an awesome spring though, too. Um, there's too many guys. This is why I don't know about Meade. I don't know about Manzardo. I would say later in the year, and I don't would not be surprised if they do actually experiment maybe with some uh, position flexibility like he told me they asked him to do.
1: Scott, there are a bunch of names with the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, if you are an Orioles fan, like, better days are coming and very, very soon. Colton Cowser, Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, Kobe Mayo. I mean there's a bunch of prospects here. I don't know where they're going to play all of them. Um, who do you think is the closest of of that group for the Orioles
0: uh i i I'm gonna say Kowser. Kowser is the one I put in the the twelve to stash Colton Kowser. obviously, there's more of a need in the outfield in fantasy than anything else, except for maybe third base. And uh, Colton Cowser's already 23. He's a former fifth overall pick. He got some time at AAA last year. At Double A, he hit 341. Struggled at AAA, but you know he'll he'll have a chance to heat up there. And uh, you know Anthony Santander has a pretty bad injury history. Even if he stays healthy, he's probably better off shifting to DH so they can accommodate Colton Cowser. So I, if if I'm in a five outfielder league and I don't have enough depth, that's Definitely a player I'm looking to stash.
1: Well, so you agree with that? Are you going Kowser over some of those other names? Norby, Westberg, Joey Ortiz? I actually think Westberg
2: is the guy who comes up first. But I think all of these guys, they're going to have to try to find something. You can't keep Norby down, who was at AAA. I don't think you can keep Kowser down. But I'm going to go with Westberg as the Westberg uh, as the top guy.
1: All right, we're going to wrap there for Scott and the Welsh. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for watching and listening Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
0: New CBS Sunday.